going to be honest with you. I wasn't going to record an episode, a podcast episode this week. Okay, I'm always honest with you. It just it's a good way to start a statement. So I wasn't going to record one. I, I just came back from a workshop yesterday. I spent all day in a workshop. Tomorrow I'm flying to give another keynote and I, it just it, it's too much. But then something happened. Somebody asked me after a keynote for advice. He asked me for advice and described a very toxic work environment, one that he couldn't stand anymore. Should I try and, and fix it with the team myself? Those were his questions. Should I speak to my boss? Should I just leave? What should I do? And so I gave him advice and I decided to share this with you here. No names, just the advice. And as you can imagine, the word trust came in several times. So how do you leave a toxic work environment while keeping your trust or the trust that people have in you? I'll tell you all about this right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? The first question is, why is it a toxic environment, a toxic team environment to start with? Well, guess what? Probably because there is no trust in the team. And, you know, through my research, I found the correlation between all kinds of behaviors within a team and, and how they're related to the level of trust in that team. You know, people can't be vulnerable if they don't trust another person. They're not going to ask stupid questions, suggest stupid ideas. People care about themselves more than others when they don't trust the others to take care of themselves. Whose fault is it? You know, often it's the boss. It's a boss who's a manager and not a leader and avoids fixing the situation. There is a short video that I sometimes use uh, from Colin Powell, who was the Secretary of State and uh, the Joint Chief of Staff uh, during uh, Desert Storm. And he, the question he was asked, being asked, was how do you define the key characteristics of effective leadership that allow you to go and be an advocate for good? His answer is trust. By the way, you should really listen to that video because he says trust before she even finishes the word good. So she asks an advocate for good trust. He just blur blurs up trust. The longer I've been in public service and the more people who ask me about leadership over the years, leadership is ultimately or leadership ultimately comes down to creating conditions of trust within an organization. That's his answer. And you know what? That boss that, that this person was asking me for advice about, the boss might be a very nice person. It, he doesn't have to be a bad person. He described a very nice boss, but was really a boss that doesn't have the balls to fix the situation. 
If there is a toxic environment in the team, is it actually your fault? You know, there, it's a question you have to ask. There is the uh, bad apple uh, scenario, situation, uh, phenomena, whatever we call it, uh, syndrome. Uh, it was researched a lot, and what he found was that you sometimes you bring a person into a team. That team can work very well together, and you bring that person into that team, and they bring some kind of a toxic behavior, a bad behavior. And as it turns out, more likely than not, the team will adopt this new behavior, this new bad behavior, rather than somehow change the other member, uh, the new member of the team. But what if you're actually the good guy? The, the toxic environment in the team is toxic without you, and you're the good guy, and you come in, and, and they don't trust you, and, and you know they create a toxic environment that you can't work in. So the thing is, this guy was also the new guy. He was there for just a few months, I guess. And something that happens is for a team... No matter whether they have a toxic environment or not, well, probably with the toxic environment, it's, it's going to be harder, but uh, they have a certain level of trust in the team and they don't trust the new guy. Not because the new guy is bad, um, not because the new guy is, uh, you know, smarter or something. Sometimes instead of embracing a new guy, they just go against him. And, and this is what, what happened here. They just went against the new guy. And new guy was good. At least that's how he describes it to me. Because there's And, and there's always two sides to every story. And one of the first pieces of advice I would say is, ask yourself, really, is there anything that I do to contribute to this toxic situation against me? Always ask that. Always assume that there are two sides to every story. Maybe they resent him because they really loved the person who was in that job before him. And they look at new guy as the person who caused the previous person to leave. And typically that's not the case. You don't hire someone and then fire somebody else in their place. Typically either that person had left, the previous person had left or, or was fired for any other reason, but then the team looks at new guy and say, you're the reason he's not there anymore or she's not there anymore. She's not here. Maybe they feel threatened by new guy. Maybe they're afraid to lose their job. Maybe they think that bringing in new guy is only the beginning and, and maybe you're going to become, new guy is going to become their boss and, and their actual boss doesn't tell them because he's so nice, he's never going to tell them something like this. Maybe they're threatened. Maybe there's just something they don't like about new guy that, that actually could change and they just never told him. They, they, they could just tell him, hey, there's something that you do. You're not from here. You know, there's always the local culture, the local behaviors, the traditions that, that we have. Um, you're not from here. You, you don't follow the same traditions. We don't like you. But, but they never told him. Those could be reasons why new guy is not liked, why new guy feels a toxic environment specifically against him. Should new guy confront the team? 
Well, the first thing I would say is definitely you need to start with sharing what you feel. Maybe try to ask and understand, but but they need to know what you feel. Don't assume that you can fix the situation. First of all, you are the new guy. They don't trust you enough as it is. They don't trust you for being you. Do you think they're going to trust you to fix a situation in the team? So I would bring it up with the team. I, I think it's only fair to bring it up first with the team, just, you know, in case they didn't know what you feel. Just in case they didn't realize what they're doing. You know, just so that you can bring up some empathy from them so they will see things from your perspective. But but I think you have to start with sharing what you feel with the team. Not, not trying to fix it, not telling them what to do, not telling them what they're doing wrong, but really telling them what you're feeling. I wouldn't go too far. I wouldn't go into clashes, into we have to fix this and we have to fix this now. Because those situations will backfire and will backfire on new guy much more than the others because you're just making things worse. You know, I have a series of books called Can I Trust You? And those are, right now, there are five of them and they apply to very specific positions like a salesperson, a leader, a team member, a consultant, a project manager. And um, the subtitle of each one of them has the same format, different words, but the same format. So it's something like 50 plus one habits that will make you a trustworthy salesperson. 70 plus one habits that will make you a trustworthy leader. 67 plus one habits that will make you a trustworthy team member. I know how to add one. Okay, it's not that. I, I know that 50 plus one is 51. Why didn't I write 51? I know that 70 plus one is 71. Why didn't I write 71? For a simple reason. The plus one is unique. The other 50 will make you more trusted. The other 70 will make you more trusted in your role. The plus one is when you get to a point where the personality incompatibility is so fundamental between you and the rest of the team or, or a specific other person, you need to know when to give up. You know, I talked about that in, in a previous episode when I talked about negotiations. And uh, what I said is, is that you have to have a bargaining zone. There has to be a bargaining zone in the personality compatibility area where you are compatible enough with the others to get along and to build trust. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes the personality incompatibility is so great that it's never going to get resolved. This toxic environment will always be toxic, at least towards you. And, and I'm pretty sure the others are not having fun either. Maybe, maybe sometimes, but not all the time. The plus one has a very simple conclusion. Know when to give up. You have to know when to give up. So what do you do? You try talking to the team. Didn't try to fix them. Didn't try to tell them what to do. You told them what you feel. Doesn't seem like they care. Your next step is you go to the boss. And, and I'm going to guess that you already went to the boss. Okay, and, and just the boss didn't do anything. The second episode of this season 12, so season 12, episode 2, 
uh, was about timing. Timing is everything. And specifically, I talked about when there is a conflict at work, you need to be the first one to go to the boss. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because, frankly, you can just go and listen to episode two. And, and it was a full episode. I'm not going to squeeze it here. But the bottom line here is the boss will trust the first person that goes to them. Then they will develop a set of assumptions and what they think the situation is. By the time the second person goes there, they're less trusted and they're already in a disadvantage. So you tried talking to the team. You tried not confronting them. You tried explaining what you feel. Doesn't look like it's going to get fixed. Doesn't look like they're going to uh, change their behaviors and make you feel better. Don't go too far. Be the first person that goes to the boss. What do you tell the boss? Well, obviously, the first time that you tell the boss is you share what you feel, how it affects you. Um, you need to make sure that you tell them that you like working here. I mean, if you don't like working here because you don't like your job, you don't like your boss, you don't like the company um, or, or things like that, then, you know, what were you waiting for? But if you like what you do, you like the environment, you like the company, you like the brand, you, you like your boss who's a very nice guy, the way he described it. He's a nice guy. He, he likes him, the boss. So tell them. Tell them that you like working here, that, that you enjoy working here, but, but, but that there are things that, that prevent you from liking it. There, there's a toxic environment in your team. What if your boss doesn't do anything? You know, you, you can't tell your boss what to do. You can't force them to fix the situation. But, but you know, you tried once, maybe you tried twice, very gentle. You, you don't talk about what the other team members should do, what they're doing bad. You're telling your boss how it affects you. You're telling your boss what you feel. And he doesn't do anything. Well, here's what I would do. This is what I would do, okay? You, as, as my younger daughter says, uh, you do you. Ask for a reference letter. I'd like to get a reference letter from you. What's the first question your boss is going to ask? You know it. Are you leaving? Now, how do you answer that question? You can just say no. But, but if you're really considering leaving, it's a lie. And if it's a lie... Your body language will tell him that it's a lie. And now he's not going to trust you, even if the situation gets resolved. And keep that in mind. Now, uh, you can come up with some kind of a bullshit answer like, uh, I'm going to get a doctoral degree and they want reference letters. Look, it's a valid reason to ask for a reference letter. But if it is a lie, if you're not applying for a doctoral degree, if it is a lie... Once again, your body language will tell your boss that it's a lie. I'll tell you what, you can control the words that you're going to use. You cannot have, you don't have that level of control over your body language. Your body language is going to be inconsistent with the words that you use. Your boss will know that you're lying. Even if the situation gets resolved, your boss will always remember that you're a liar. So I am not suggesting that you lie, that you give a reason. So you ask for a reference letter. Your boss asks, are you leaving? What should you say? Because you know that he's going to ask it. Here is what I would say. 
I'm not yet actively looking. True, true. But this situation is not great. And I already told you that. Is that true? It's true. This situation is affecting me. That's true as well. Right now, I know that you think well of me. So this would be a great time for me to ask for a recommendation letter. Later, if things continue the way they are, you might think less of me. Even if it's not going to be my fault, that would not be a good time for me to ask you for a recommendation letter. So please give me one now. While I'm not yet actively looking, before things really get to a very bad state, which it looks like they are. Now, one thing I want you to keep in mind. Make sure that you're not manipulative. Make sure that the way you ask for it doesn't sound like a threat. Nobody likes to be threatened. That, that it doesn't sound like you're threatening that you're going to leave uh, if, uh, if, if they're not going to fix it and if you're not going to fix it right now. So ma- make sure that you don't come across as manipulative, that you don't come across as threatening, that you come across as genuine. You tell it the way it is. If you say, I'm not actively looking, and you're not, but you're telling them the situation could could get worse, it's affecting me, uh, you know, right now, when, when you like what I do, this would be a great time to ask for a recommendation letter. I don't know what's going to happen a month from now, and, and I may be at the position where I'm leaving, but but things got to be so bad that you, you're not going to be willing to give me a, a recommendation letter anymore. You're telling the truth. And you know what? Your body language is going to show that you tell the truth. Okay, what will your boss say to this? I'm willing to bet what he's going to say is give me an opportunity to fix this. No recommendation letter yet. I I promise I'll give you a recommendation letter uh, later, but just give me an opportunity to fix this. Okay, first of all, keep in mind that This comes after you already had this conversation with him once or twice, and they haven't fixed it. This is why you're here the third time. What should you say? Well, here's what I would say. I would say, yes, please fix it. I I would greatly appreciate it. I I would love to stay here, uh, but, but I need to feel good. But then you need to insist, please still give me that reference letter now. I still need the reference letter. Because if if you leave it as the boss says, give me an opportunity to fix it, after twice they, they never did, um, they're probably not going to fix it now. So then what? We're going to have the same conversation again? And, and this time you're going to ask for a reference letter, for a recommendation letter, and they already know that you're not going to insist. So I would say, yes, please, please fix it. I would greatly appreciate it. I really want to stay here. But insist, I still need that reference letter, that recommendation letter. Now, one of the things that, that I, I heard from people is that when you say this, they're, already, they're always afraid that the boss will start looking for your replacement. I'm not going to tell you that this will never happen. I'm not. But I can tell you from my experience and the experience of others who share their experiences with me is that this will happen if your boss doesn't trust you. So don't give them a reason. Don't lie. If you lie, the probability of that happening is much higher. But if you don't lie, 
if they still respect you, if they trust you, man, it's so much easier for the boss to fix the situation than to find a new employee that's good as you are. So I wouldn't be that afraid of it. That the boss is going to start looking for your replacement. It's hard. It's hard to find a replacement. It's hard to let you go. And it's hard to explain to their boss why they had to let you go and find somebody else. Especially if, uh, you know, for some reason, your boss, their boss knows uh, what's going on. It's easier for them to fix the situation. I'm not going to say don't worry because it never happens. It does happen, but it's very, very rare in my experience and in the experience of others who shared it with me. Here's one more jewel here, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. What is common to finding a new job and going to the restroom during flight? I'll ask it again. What's common to finding a new job and going to the restroom during flight. Well, here's a story. My older daughter, Maya, we once went to, uh, the entire family, we went to uh, uh, Washington, D.C., and Maya was sitting next to me while Shira was sitting next to my wife, Anat. And, um, you know, this was post-9-11, and post-9-11, the last 30 minutes before landing in Reagan International in Washington, um, they would make you sit down, uh, and and strap yourself with seat belts and, and you can't get up even if you know the weather is great uh, we're still at altitude at cruising altitude you can't get up for the last 30 minutes of flight into Washington DC so Maya was sitting next to me and she must have been I don't know four years old something like that maybe five and I kept asking her you know as we're getting closer to Washington DC I asked her Maya do you need to go to the restroom and she said, no, you know, seatbelt signs are still off. Uh, this is a good time. I kept asking Maya, uh, do you need to go to the restroom? She said, no. Asked again, Maya, do you need to go to the restroom? She said, no. We're 30 minutes away from Washington, D.C. Seatbelt sign lights goes on. And not a minute later, Maya says, I need to go to the restroom. Of course, now we can't. So. Let me go back to the question. What is common to finding a new job and going to the restroom during flight? The answer is simple. You do it when you can, not when you have to. When you have to find another job, it's typically because things are so bad that you're under a lot of pressure to find a job, whatever job it is. And I'll tell you something. Finding whatever job is not a great idea. Uh, the second thing is uh, maybe you got fired. So try and find a job when you're fired uh, is is hard. You know, you, you there's always the stigma that you got fired for a good reason because you were not good. I mean, even if it's a reduction in force, why did they, they re why did they reduce you and not somebody else? If they had to cut ten percent of the company, why you? Why were you in the ten percent and not in the ninety percent? There's always going to be, uh, you, you get to a situation where you absolutely must find a job. That's the worst time to find a job. When they put the seatbelt sign on, that's the worst time to go to the restroom, to want to go to the restroom. So things are starting to go bad. 
they're only starting to go bad. Don't wait until they're so bad that one, your boss is not sure that you're not the reason for it and, and he's not going to give you a good reference letter. You may get fired. Things are going to get to such a stressful level that you're going to find whatever job. Don't wait until that point. Find a new job now. So when you walk into your boss's office and you say, please give me a reference letter, your boss is going to ask, are you looking for a job now? You are going to be telling 100% of the truth when you say, not yet. After you leave, after you get that reference letter, and before things re get really, really bad, start looking for another job. You may not need it. The, uh, the, the fact that somebody else, another company is offering you something might even be a bargaining chip for you to say, hey, I should, uh, you know, I, I'm maybe not a bargaining chip, maybe not go to your boss and say, hey, I got another offer from another place, because that would be a good reason for him to look for a replacement, because he knows now that it's just a matter of time. And plus, uh, you're going to say, oh, I got $5,000 more, so uh, match it. He's going to know that this is going to happen more often than not. But having the offer would give you the strength to say, you know, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm not going to wait until things are so bad. They're bad enough now, and I have another offer. And you're not going to feel that strong if you didn't have another offer. So the common thing between finding a new job and going to the restroom during flight is you do it when you can, not when you absolutely have to. You know, for a day where I thought I was not, not going to record a podcast episode, um, I'm surprised that wasn't a bad episode, I think. I think there's some good advice, but I want you to keep in mind one thing. Everything is relative and everything is contextual. That's, that's one of the basic premises of my entire relative trust model. Everything is relative. Everything is contextual. Different people are different. The same behavior that would cause one person to trust you could cause another person to trust you. The advice I'm giving you here, that I gave you here, could be the best advice in some situations, but it could also be the worst advice in other situations. Only you are responsible for assessing your own situation and applying the right approach. And, and I'm not saying this because uh, as a disclaimer, don't blame me uh, later. My, my uh, business insurance will cover it or maybe will not cover it. They'll raise my premiums. That's not what I'm saying that. And, and you know me well enough. I'm saying this because I, I want you to be able to assess your own situation and know what's going to work here. This was one example on how to deal with a situation. This was what I suggested to that person who came to me after an event. Even how to leave your workplace, but doing it while keeping your trust, keeping the trust that people have in you without for a moment losing the trust that people have in you. You do it above surface. I hope this was helpful. This is it for today. May trust be with you. This was The Trust Show. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? 
Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.